Welcome to another episode of The Burnt Chef Journal, hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of The Burnt Chef Project. This week's guest is Ross, also known as the Cotswolds Nutrition Chef, who joins us to talk about his experiences through hospitality, but he's also talking to us about his take on mental health, well-being, open company cultures, and also gives us information about what he's learned over his journey becoming to be a nutrition coach. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Land Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Yeah, um, so obviously, my name's Ross. Um, I've been obviously a chef for 15 plus years. Um, I don't sort of say how old I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of like, um, but yeah, I've, I started off um, as probably most chefs um, uh, in the country, like bike washing, you know, going to sort of the local restaurant. Um, I was quite fortunate to uh, start in a, a mission star restaurant as bike washing. Um, my uh, my mum was like good friends with uh, her son who used to be the sous chef there um and i, I was never uh, wanting to be a chef like that was sort of not in my mindset to be a chef and um, i was quite sort of uh, good at rugby um unfortunately uh, you know injury sort of took its toll and you know blew my shoulder out um twice um so obviously you know time to obviously uh, re- rehabilitate and things like that wasn't wasn't the greatest time and you know as as you do when you're young you sort of listen to your parents as as much as you don't want to at the time but um you, you obviously you do um and she said uh um you know you obviously need to a, a plan b sort of thing you know obviously you need to work you need to you need to have sort of a little bit of money coming in so i she, she got me sort of obviously the job um obviously just like friday and saturdays just doing, doing the pot washing and, and then you know from there i was just sort of pretty much hooked really you know, seeing the whole uh, team come together, to, you know, to dress, you know, a plate of food that was going at a restaurant, and you know, people buying buying that sort of food, and you know, it was just amazing to see, you know, how how they were talking to each other, how they communicate, and and it sort of it reminisced like with me, obviously with rugby, because you know, it's, it's a big team sport, and you know, if if one player's down, you you, you know, you you sort of come together to to get him back up. And running again and you know that's what i saw in, in kitchens and you know sort of went from there really yeah i mean i i, I uh, up until very recently i i um i was played rugby as well i played I, I mean to be fair i started quite late at about 25 but yeah. um okay. uh, i played up until uh just over a year ago and i snapped the tendon um straight clean off the bone so my bicep went shooting up into my armpit <laughs> <laughs> nice, but, nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, rugby is, and I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. Rugby. I've always said it would be great to get a team of chefs to play rugby because that camaraderie yeah. and that you know, you you literally you're putting your body on the line for someone else. Yeah, you, yeah. Because you know they're they're your mates. You don't want to let the team down. You you know you literally will throw yourself in front of a, a twenty stone prop. Uh, in order yeah. to, to stop them from dropping a ball over the line, you know, but it, it's yeah, it's the same yeah. sort of mentality about you know watching each watching each other's backs and, and making sure that yeah. uh, 
you know, you're there to achieve the goal together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, having, you know, obviously I've sort of been sort of quite fortunate the teams that I've been in, obviously in the kitchens and not been more than, you know, 10 to 12, 12 chefs in the kitchen. So it's been sort of pretty much like a, a rugby team, really. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of matched, I've gone to London, like London and things like that and worked in the big hotels and we've got teams of like 50, 60, 70 chefs. I'm like, you know, that that to me already is just like, you know, tearing my, tearing my brain apart, you know, all that to sort of concentrate because, you know, as, as a senior uh, chef in, in, in any kitchen, you know, you become like, uh, a bank, you know, a psychiatrist, you know, the mum, the father, you know, the babysitter, you know, the bodyguard and, you know, all these things. And that's before you've even started even doing the job that you're actually paid to do. And that's, that's cook. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's quite, quite sort of full on when you sort of start, you know, stepping up the ladder and things like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, yeah massively and you've got you've got such a wide range of skill sets that you need to learn and develop over time within within the role as well it's not just a case of right you can pick up a pick up a knife and off you go in the same way as you know uh sommelier or a team leader isn't just going to be able to know the menu inside out and be able to speak to customers it's it's a juggling Mm -hmm. all of these different things isn't it yeah yeah um, yeah, it's sort of like you know, sort of full on, and it, you know, it can, it can be quite sort of daunting as well. You know, especially if you've just sort of got to that point in your career of you know your first junior sous chef job or you know a sous chef job, and you think, well, I've got to sort of step up now. And you know, sometimes you don't always have that um, sort of that guidance from above. They just sort of think, you know, right, you can cook, you can run a section, you can run a service. Oh, right, he's ready, and you know, that's not what it's necessarily down to, you know, you still need that sort of, not saying a physical arm around you, but you, you still need to see that, that sort of that safety wind to sort of like help and support you and grow. Um, right. You know, I've been sort of listening to, I've pretty much sort of listened to all the podcasts you've done so far, you know, and ones that sort of like really sort of stuck to me, like really it's like Sat Baines, um, Nathan Outlaw um, and guys like that. And even, you know, listening to them and how their journeys have gone, you know, they're two, two chefs that I sort of like grew up sort of watching and thinking, right, you know, how amazing they are and the food and, and things like that and how they talk now, especially sat now, like Sandy's got a nutritionist, like him and his wife and, you know, how they look after um, their staff and, you know, doing this four, four days a week and, you know, e- eating right, you know, you know, saying, you know, you can't have the same sort of starches or the carbohydrates in, in, in the same week, you know, be very, you know, be creative um, with the staff food. And I, I think that's what sort of what boils down to, you know, is having that nurturing to go down the right, the right sort of channel, but also, you know, let them, you know, go down the wrong channel because that's the only way they're going to learn, but sort of like help them with it as well, not just sort of like, scream and shout and it's like right you've done this wrong like the food's crap staff is rubbish and you know it, 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 it all it does is just sort of belittles that uh, that individual and it, like to their point just makes them angry with them in the for themselves as well and then start looking at the chef like well what an absolute knob that I'm working for do you know what I mean um but how they put it across was just like you know straight you know on, on the now really yeah yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. It's one that I, I want to spend a little bit more time looking at at some stage in the future, whereby, yeah. you know, how do we as an industry and certainly as leaders within within the industry as well, how do we provide 
the right amount of room for people to build their resilience through mistakes um, without stepping in and worrying about the service going going to pot. And then also yeah. on the on the vice versa, like how do we also you know know when when to stop manhandling as well? I guess I mean they're two two very much the same thing. But you you know fa- failure or mistakes are only failures if you don't learn from them if they happen time yeah. and time and time and time again but without yeah. that happening you've got no room to grow you're not going to stretch yourself you're not going to learn yeah. how to cope yeah. cope with those things and i think we've yeah. got a lot of that a lot of that in the industry at the moment haven't we really oh yeah i understand agree like yeah but i think what it's sort of i mean don't get me wrong I've, I've been in situations where you know i've sort of lost my call um you know with both individuals and so you know i remember sort of one time and i mean i just took on my first ever junior sous chef job um in, in derby of all places you know i left uh, a pretty top-end restaurant up in sort of t- towards leeds um and i remember like literally ripping the shit out of this guy because he, i didn't have the right um enough mushrooms uh, for the dish you know, because it was like a, a ratatouille, sort of harlequin ratatouille around the plate and he didn't cook enough mushrooms for me and I just, over a mushroom. Like, thinking back now, I'm thinking, what an idiot. Uh, what, why have you just lost your call over over a mushroom? You know, mm. one, it's going to sort of, you know, belittle the guy in front of the rest of the team and two, it, you know, it, it was an open kitchen as well. So, obviously, all the customers, you know, I'd say, say probably most of them are thinking, you know, look at that guy, like, how he's speaking to his staff. Um but and then I see some are looking like, oh yeah, the chef's sort of kicking on. Like, look, this is insane. But it, but it's not the case because you've just ruined the service. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you're on the back foot now, and you've got more more pressure on your shoulders as leading the team because you've just ripped into someone. Because now he's thinking, not that he doesn't care, but he's he's going to be less uh, thinking like like win we're, we're the shit. You know, we need to push on together. He's like, well, no, he's just screamed at me. I'm going to let him sort it out. He's the sous chef. He can deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it comes down to as well is is having when you're going through these stages, is having you know your mentors as you're going up through the ladder, and and them understanding how they manage it. You know, are they been educated the right way and things like that? And you know, a, a lot of the guys you've had on the podcast have said like you know it went through that sort of like um, I think it was uh, Luke. Luke was it? Um, talking about um, uh, like the, the the Ramsey sort of scene, you know, screaming, shouting, things like that. And, mm. you know, I, I even thinking back, like, you know, when I was sort of like 17, 18, I think, oh, this guy's amazing. You know, look, look at him. He's like, everyone's sort of working together. But in a way, like you could now sort of think like he's, he's gave these guys a bollocking because it's for a reason. Do you know what I mean? It's never not been for a reason that you can sort of see, but obviously there's got to be a different way of, of getting the, the better out of it, out of the individual. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like for, me, like for me in general, I, you know, I used to love, not, not so I love getting bollockings, but it was sort of set me to a point where, right, you've given me a bollocking because I've messed up, right? I'm going to prove you wrong that I can do this better. So that gave me a drive to, 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 to go better. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. you know other people you give them a bollocking and they, they just sulk for the rest of the service and you're like come on and, and then they just sort of like dragging their feet through service which you know that's that's never a good thing either because that just makes the whole team not come together um, and they start and then you start getting resentment and then you know all sorts sort of start happening really 
Yeah, massively so. And it's about, you know, it's been t- mentioned time and time again on this podcast. It's, it's about understanding your team as individuals. And, you know, for someone yeah. like yourself, being like, look, pull your shit together. You know, this isn't good enough. Yeah. That could be the... And, and similarly to me, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, right, you fucker. Here's, I'm going to do this properly yeah. now. But then also on, yeah, on yeah. the flip side, you know, you catch me on a bad day and you you, you talk to me like that. I'll be like, well, I'm just... Well, Fuck it, then I'm I'm not bothered today. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's about understanding what works for your team as a motivator and what doesn't, yeah. and also knowing where the line is as well. Because at some stage, you know, bollocking people just to be able to boost your ego and make you look better within that environment yeah. is, yeah. it's as you say, it's damaging the kitchen culture, it's damaging your workplace yeah. culture, is and it's impacting the entire business and making yeah, your job yeah. twice as hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that's that. Like again, like spot on there like it's, it's just i think sort of I mean, there needs to be a way of you know i mean also, you know nowadays you get these chefs that are sort of coming through and like they want the 50 60 grand you know salaries you know they want to be a head chef at like 21 22 okay you know there's, there's going to be an odd occasion where you get them individual chefs that are actually just naturally talented but it's not all about the cooking you know it's it's got to understand like how you run run that kitchen like how do you do your budgets how how do you sort of pull a, a service around when you're like literally everyone's in the shit they're so behind like the tickets are just come flying in flying in complaints after complaints and things like that and you know as a head of a kitchen or a head chef or a sous chef you know you've got to take control um and understand that and sort of keep it on a balance where you don't lose it because once you know you lose it, it's like a, a dominic effect isn't it really it just goes knocking on and you know before you know it you're you're backed up and you know, by the time you finish serving, it's like one, two o'clock in the morning, and that's before you've even cleaned down and wrapped your fridges up. Do you mm. know what I mean? So, and then people, are, your, your team are thinking like, "What the hell am I doing this for?" Um, so, I think there's got to be a way where you know, nurturing these guys, and, and I, th- I think as well, like these, a lot of companies like employ young young chefs because they're not prepared to pay the money for them as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got we've got into um, a habit, and I'm not, you know, this isn't to say that the whole industry is like this, but there's certainly a large proportion of the industry that's saying, well, actually, if I can save on labour costs by employing someone at you know, 20k a year when it should be 25 or 28 or 30k a year, then yeah, yeah. we save money. But what you're doing is you're taking people who perhaps don't necessarily have the skill sets to yeah. be in those roles, or you know, or have more skill sets, and they're they're only there for a short period of time. And they're probably not efficient enough for the business and they're not prepared to stay with you because you're not willing to, you know, value them as human beings and pay them the at least the right livable wage, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a fine, yeah. fine balancing act, yeah. isn't it, really? I mean, yeah, it is. Like, it is pretty sort of fine balancing act. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, I've been in meetings where, like, you know, one month it'd be, you know, a budget of like say 30 grand or something like that and you've come into budget sort of thing so you've got right okay i've got a bit a bit of extra sort of wiggle room for next month and then they cut it again you know the the, the industry is very sort of penny pinching um but what what that does it, it sort of dilutes the 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 standard and um, especially in the high end um not hotels and restaurants and that and you know it dilutes the standard because you haven't got the money to pay for you know the right produce that you want you haven't got the money to pay for the, the correct chefs you want, um, and like the skill set, you know, you know, skill set can be 
obviously learn along the way, but it's to have that willingness to, to learn. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, I think that's, I think sort of companies now, they're just sort of more worried about how much money they can put in their back pocket than actually sort of like, you know, I've got this team, they're a great set of guys or, 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 or girls, um, and, you know, we're going to go places. You know, we'll pay them right, look after them, feed them correctly, um, and, yeah, sort of go from there, really. Yeah, massively so. Massively so. So talk to me a little bit about sort of uh, your journey from from where you where we where we left off and sort of why why specifically you were wanted to have a chat on a podcast that sort of focuses on well-being and awareness and culture um i mean what 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 i've sort of seen so far chris is it's not literally sort of hit home sort of more closely to me um you know going back a few years ago now i it was on a valentine's um uh uh, service and we're, we're slightly understaffed um, the head chef had to come in on his day off um, I think a couple of guys sort of walked out like a couple of days before around, so we were sort of a bit under the cuff um, and it was busy as, as you can imagine um, and I just collapsed um, outside of the kitchen like in the sort of corridor um, woke up with obviously two, two paramedics around me and, and so obviously whisked me off to, to hospital um, head chef was like take, take a week off like you know stuff like that really and it was all down to sort of like um not looking after myself you know um you know I was only what 20 25 at the time I thought you know quite fit you know young I can sort of like run through walls as as every young chef does you know they think, well, they're invincible you know they're sort of like hulk um and mm. that wasn't the case you know sort of I wasn't sort of you know eating the right food you know I was drinking sort of like Lucasades like coffee that w- what we used to make on in a pan on the stove and just let it ticking over so that by the time the, the the last coffee was in it was more like stock syrup and and things like that really and it sort of started off from there really and obviously with me my rugby background as well um i was like well you know if i don't sort of look after myself now like in the later years this is just going to sort of go completely wrong um, and then obviously later on a few years, I mean, not so sort of long ago, like whether you call it, you know, a breakdown or anything like that. But I hit a wall where nothing just wouldn't wouldn't go right. You know, whatever um, I tried to do, nothing would go right. You know, I was arguing with people, you know, tearing relationships apart and, you know, just sort of constantly like really angry, um, you know. Let letting it, like again letting it go on, on my team members and and they're sort of looking like well, what what is going on like he was fine a week ago and now he's like kicking off every single minute of the day mm. um and having that sort of that complete sort of strange mindset of of like, how do I get myself out of this like I was in such a pretty dark hole um and all your sort of like your your default setting is like work, 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 like work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. And it was just making me worse and worse and worse. And, you know, obviously listening to other the guys you've had on so far, you know, it's such a massive um thing, um, mental health, where it affects people in completely different ways. Like you could be, you know, Sat's a big guy, you know, um, he goes to the gym, he works out and stuff like that. You know, Nathan's you know quite a big guy as well. But 
it, it doesn't, mental health doesn't care what sort of size you are, how big your ego is, like how strong you are mentally or physically. It, it will get you. It doesn't matter how, how you look at it, it will get you at some point. And, you know, was it one out of 10, 10 men in, in, in the country will, will at some point, you know, have this sort of depression or mindset um, in their lifetime. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, it's, it's only getting worse. But, and I think as, as obviously the, the latter uh, sort of years of coming in and catering and things like that, like people are just sort of willing to sort of say, oh, just get on with it, or oh, cheer up, or get on with it. And that that's not how it works, you know. And I'm sort of talking from, you know, my personal experience, my opinion and things like that, because all that done is just irritate the hell out of me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, well, don't tell me to fucking cheer up like I'm fine do you know what I mean and then straight away you got your back up and then you're going back at them again and it's it's just a very vicious circle um but yeah like definitely like mental health has to be sort of addressed like very quickly because you know unfortunately you know I've had like you know I've worked in teams where you know uh, chefs have like passed away and you know things like that and it's just it's just not right do you know what I mean like these are like talented like good guys and girls and you, you don't want to lose them to an industry of of pressure because you know whether it's a, a customer is walked in say like I don't like my steak like that okay that's fine but don't sort of like get the waiters to come back and you know sort of like throw it in your face and say this is shit this is crap because that's not what you want to you'll stand on your feet to make someone's dinner lunch and breakfast whichever way or wherever you're working, um, to the best of your ability. You know, it doesn't give anyone right to sort of rip into someone because it's not to their liking. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, everyone has a different taste. You know, everyone has a different liking of different things. You know, we do our best as, a, as an industry to, to sort of get that on pinpoint. And, you know, a lot of restaurants, a lot of hotels do that. They do sort of like spot on, like get it spot on. But, you know, there, there could be that one that one day where that that sh- that chef can have a bad day or, you know, something's happened at home or, you know, his children have been sort of driving him or her mad like all weekend and you come, come to work on Monday morning, you're like, thank God, like, you know, I'm back at work. But then, you know, then you start thinking like, you know, did I do that right the weekend? Is that my fault? And you, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of doubts in, I, th- I think, in chefs um, at that point. It doesn't matter how good you are. There is all that that doubt of like, am I doing the best? Or am I doing this the right way? Mm. And once you start those thoughts as well, sometimes it's difficult to get off that old train, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a long old train going through like a, a tunnel that's you don't really see, you know, a light at the end of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a very difficult, thought, a difficult thing to sort of get yourself out of. Like, you know, from my experience, I you know I used to have a, a blip maybe once a month, like, you know, in a year. But then as I got older, it was getting more and more frequent. And I'm like, well, what's happening? Like, what am I doing different? And at the time, I wasn't doing anything different. I was going to work, working hard, you know, going out seeing friends or socialising, going to eat at restaurants. And there was nothing different um, that I was doing. It's just I was getting older. So, you know, I, I think a lot of it as well is your, your patience does get a lot shorter you know when you were younger you're like your parents or your your boss is like you know your patience does get short as you get older and you're like no no I'm, I'm gonna be chilled I'm gonna be fine but it's true it, it, it's you know I'm not saying it's down to the people being daft or 
or anything like that. I think it's just you as an individual, your passion's just like, I'm old enough now. I'm at that age. I don't really need to listen to this anymore. Do you know what I mean? I've done, you know, 15, 16, 20, 30 years in the industry of listening to the same stuff. I'm done with it. Do you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, it's it's definitely your patience is, you know, not a virtue as people say. Do you know what I mean? So it's a learned, it's a learned, uh, learned behavior. One that I'm, you know, I'm still getting to grips with myself. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Patience is, patience is being able to know that that thought's come into your head and not act on it. You know, is, is, is patience is knowing that your words or your actions can have a, have a negative or a positive consequence, but being able to be patient and see that thought process yeah. and see that action out in your head first is, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Patience is key, but really, I mean, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like, totally agree again. Like, it's, it's just, but I think that's only going to come through experience. You, you, you can't sort of just give a junior guy or girl, say, well, you've got to be patient because they, whether they understand what patience is, you, the, 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 you know, a lot of the time you, you don't see it. Do you know what I mean? You, you can sort of like, like, again, going back to, you know, I lost my temper over a mushroom, you know, stupid thing as it is, but I didn't have the the right skill set to to be patient, you know. All I had to all I had to do, like what I do now, is like, right, okay, cool. Let's just slow the service down, um, redo the dish. Do you know what I mean? I can, I've got, I've got a minute and a half on the fish, and we'll just do it again. You know, again, that 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 shows shows the the the, the chef that you know I'm looking after him or her, um, you know, we're taking the time to do it right. And that gives them a bit more time to breathe rather than sort of like, oh, my God, the chef's going to scream at me. Mm. It's just sort of understanding and recognising that, that that time. And it's like, right, OK, I need to step in now and sort of slow it down. And then, you know, once we're sort of back up on speed again, we can speed it back up again. It's, it's, it's all about controlling that. And you, you're only going to learn that through through experience. You know, that's not that, you can't learn that at college or, you know, someone saying to you, you know, you've got to be patient. You've got, you've got to stay calm because at a young age, you don't, you don't know what that is. You don't know what, to, what, what it looks like. You might understand it thinking of it, but you don't know what it looks like. Mm. Yeah. You learn through experience, don't you? And so, yeah. Talk, having understood a little bit about your journey and sort of what, what you've been through personally and what you've sort of observed over the, over your time within hospitality, Talk to me a little bit more about um, your your path now, because you're a certified nutritional coach as well, are you? Or nutritionist? Yes, yeah. No, so I'm a nutrition coach. So I haven't got, obviously, a degree in obviously nutrition, but uh, there's sort of very sort of um, basic that comes around nutrition coaching. So obviously you learn about, you know, your your fats, your carbs, and, you know, how your minerals, how your macros, and your, your weight gain, your weight loss sort of like works. But, I my scope of practice is like I can't say to you say you know Chris you come to me and say well, I've got um, uh, a liver disorder I need to eat like this like I'm like okay that's fine but I'd have to speak to the doctor you your doctor will speak to me and say well Russ he's got this these are the foods I recommend can you create food around this I'm like yeah that's not a problem so it's the, the scope of, of practice of between a nutrition coach and nutritionist. I don't have the the authority to say or diagnose to say, well, you need to eat this to get better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you um, you act, 
you're you're able to act based on information provided, but you're not necessarily. Um, and whilst you know you might learn through experience, you're not able to to clinically diagnose in the same way that I can't diagnose someone with depression or anxiety or say that they're you know yeah. they've got specific mental illness because I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I just speak from personal experience and, and education. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I think I passed that a couple of months ago, um, which is obviously probably one of the hardest exams I've, I think I've ever done. Um, you know, a lot of the, the wording, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, so obviously. I'm quite dyslexic as well, so obviously makes that a little bit more difficult for me for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously, what I want to sort of like do is is literally sort of get people to understand. You know, you you have to eat. You, you know what I mean, it doesn't how you how you look at it. You you have to eat and nourish your body, and um, giving the understanding of you know, what you put in your body and, and, and the amounts you put into your body is, is how your body reacts to what it, it needs to do. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's to try and make them small changes to, to have that individual be a better person. Um, you know, whether it's sort of, you know, helping uh, the wife or girlfriend around the house or whether it's helping, you know, they want to play a bit more around the garden or in the fields with their children, you know, be a bit more healthy with them. It's, it's making them little changes to, to sort of hopefully be a better person and be a, a, lot, a lot healthier person. Um, definitely for myself, um, you know, I've sort of looked into um, how vegans eat and, you know, sort of vegetarians eat. You know, there's a lot of points that I, I, I don't really agree with, um, but also from a chef point of view, you know, you sort of look at it like, well, how can I turn that into a, a nice meal or a nice sort of dish? Um that I would enjoy. Um, you know, yesterday I, I found some um, uh, chickpea rice. So basically, it, it looks like um, um, oh, what's it called? The it's like a little pasta rice. Um, oh, also now. Yeah, also pasta. Yeah, and it looks like that. Um, and you know, I was planning about it yesterday, and you know, it, for for what it is, it it is tasty. You know. Not for me, really, but, you know, for a vegetarian or, you know, a vegan that doesn't eat, you know, any dairy or anything like that, you know, it, it, it's good in protein and, you know, it gives the right minerals and, and nutrients that the body needs. Um, so, yeah, it's just sort of trying to get people to understand, you know, plowing in crisps and chocolate and fizzy drinks and, you know, rubbish food um, in the long run is it, it, it's, it's going to do you more damage than, than good. So I'm, I'm sort of trying to sort of like change that in the way I look at food. What's been the biggest thing that you've learned since studying and, and learning what you've learned? Like what what's for you personally? What's been the like bloody hell? I didn't realize that moment. Um, I think a lot of the bullshit that's surrounded by nutrition. Um, you know, there's, there's so much like crap out there, like it's quite understandable how people can actually get misunderstood of what they're supposed to be doing. Even sort of with personal trainers, you know, um, I've been quite fortunate, you know, the guys that I've got around me is that, you know, they've, they've done their time, you know, they've, they've learned the craft, like they've, they've gone through the process of, of injuring themselves or, you know, doing the wrong things and learning from them. You know, they've, they've done, they've done the time understanding how things work. Um, but there's, you know, there's a hell of a lot of crap out there where, you know, people are going to, get to a point of like hurting themselves especially sort of like pt training and you know and 
people that are sort of so-called, you know, um, food experts, if, if you want to call them that, um, sort of trying to diagnose if you eat this, this will help this. Like, you know, people just sort of look what the, the cosmetic is of someone, you know, thinking, you know, if I eat the right food for this for six weeks, this, this is what I'm going to look like. That That's not how it works. You know, with my clients that I deal with now is – I speak to them as like you a recipe, which is a quite a sort of strange way of calling someone a recipe. But if you break it down, everyone is a recipe because every recipe is different. You know, and if you understand your own recipe, you can make better changes to become a better recipe and a better outcome. I'll, I think I've got the concept of that, but like, so you're you're talking about just explain explain a little bit more about everyone's recipe. I'm I'm intrigued. Can you highlight on that? Yeah. Um. So if if you sort of break down sort of like if you're making bread, for instance, in sort of the cold cold mornings, um, what you've got to take in fount, you know, a lot of the time it won't take all the water, you know, because obviously the moisture in the air, you know, where where you're working, it's a cold environment, so there's going to be more moisture in the in the area in the in, in the room. So if you sort of break it down into everyone's recipe is, you know, if if I give you a, a plan to follow, it ain't going to be the plan that I would follow because different things will affect me in different ways. Like for you, for instance, when you're playing rugby, for instance, like, you know, would you eat um, uh, heavy food the night before or would you have breakfast in the morning? Uh, yeah, usually I would play, I prefer to play on an empty stomach because I would eat breakfast yeah. in the morning, but if I had a game at say 12, one o'clock, I would not, yeah. I'd, I'd not have lunch because I would just be useless. I'd be a sack of spuds on, yeah. the, on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, like, I mean, I, I mean, I still play, I can't have anything until after the game. I'll eat pretty heavy the night before, but I won't eat anything until after the game. So that, that, that's sort of what I mean about people being a recipe like there's different elements of the of your own recipe that affects you in different ways mm. if that makes sense so yeah about variables so yeah so I, I i i understand the concept now it's 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 an important concept so i mean one of the general misconceptions as you and to summarize as you said and i totally agree with this is that nowadays we're, we're in a, a culture where you see so many diet books and you see so many workout yeah. plans that are one size fits all. You do this, you cut your carbs down yeah. to, you know, 30% and your fats up to 60% of your diet and you'll, you'll yeah. be fine. But that yeah. doesn't yeah. work. Like for example, I'm quite um, uh, intolerant to carbs in terms of if I yeah. eat carbs, my body grabs hold of them in terms of straight into straight into sugar and, and fat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, if I cut carbs out, I lean down quite quickly. Um, yeah, but then yeah. that's not the same for everyone. Some people can't, you know, some people's bodies need the carbs and they metabolize yeah. it in a different way, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. But also, as well, like, you know, there's a lot of fad diets like keto and all that sort of stuff where you, you don't have carbs, you have the bare minimal fats and things like that. And, you know, it, it's not. It, the human body is not necessarily made or built up the way that these diets have been sort of like um, come up, come about because, you know, you need like carbs, you need sugars, you, you need the fats, you need the minerals. That, you know, these are all sort of important 
uh, stuff that you need your body to sort of maintain, like to, to live. Do you know what I mean? So if you start sort of playing about, um, you know, with these sort of uh, chemistry sort of balance and, you know, equations, you know, you, you're going to start sort of seeing some really sort of um, strange uh, health um, not benefits and um, some, you know, health uh, bad points uh, as you sort of get older and things like that. Mm. So putting this into a sort of real world, real world context in terms of, you know, how we look after ourselves during busy service and what, what the, what the best advice without trying to say that there is a one size fits all um, solution, but what's the best sort of advice that you've got for those who are looking at taking a step in the right direction in terms of looking at their diet, giving themselves the right energy that they need, especially as we start to look at relaunching back into the industry. I think sort of for, for my point of view is literally like strip it right back. Like what can you control? If you can control little aspects of, of your day-to-day living, then that that's a bonus. That, that That's a positive in the right direction. So if you like, you know, if you go to bed, for instance, um, and you're on your phone for an extra 20 minutes, you know, that's going to affect your sleeping pattern because obviously the, the way the, the, the phones and the, the blue light affects um, your brain. It, it's, 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 like a, it's, it's like having a, a busy brain where you're going, going, to, going to sleep. Um, you know, if you sort of put that into, into context, that's like sort of coming out of a 100-cover service, flat out, and you're just going straight to bed. You, you, you can't do that. You need time to sort of like chill and relax and sort of bring your body back down to some sort of normality for yourself. Um, so if, if you sort of, you know, change th- these little aspects of like, you know, drinking water before you go to bed, you know, having water when you wake up, you know, straight away you're, you're hydrating your body. So it's, it's, it's a kickstart um, to, to your morning. Then go into sort of, you know, don't rush out um, with no breakfast or, you know, don't try and skip um, skip lunch or skip a meal because you, ha- you haven't got time. You know, I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest things that people say, I haven't got time, I haven't got time, which I could sort of see how they can say that, but, you know, you have to make time. You, you know, you have to make time for your health. You know, if you've got time to sort of like go to the toilet, that's still making time for a bodily function, you know, so you've got time to make these little changes um, for, for yourself to be a healthier person. Because if you don't, if you don't make them, um, again, you, you, you're going to go down the wrong road, and sort of, you know, health problems are going to start to sort of uh, come up very quickly, and they'll be they'll happen when you're sort of least expected. Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 making these small little changes for the better, and do do a bit of more research um, of of what you're putting into your body as well, because it's all fuel at, at, at whatever way you look at it. But be clever who you who you follow, who you get the information from, because uh, again, there's there's a lot of as, as as you call it, sort of bullshitters in this trade because everyone affects what they want to look like. And you know, going back to sort of if you if you eat this or if you drink this, you're going to look like this. It, it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter how you look at it; it just won't work. And um, you know, be be clever of who you follow and what you're reading, you know, and don't just sort of like jump on the wagon and say, well, if he or she looks like that, it's going to work for me. It's just not going to happen. 
Are there any particular resources that you'd be able to suggest for people that are sort of ones that you found to be a little bit more trustworthy? Um, there's, there's one, um, obviously, he's originally from London. Uh, it's called James Smith. Um, I, I'm not too sure if you've sort of seen him on sort of social media. Um, he's very, very, very knowledgeable. Um, he, he does sort of um, uh, come out and, and sort of like fronts a lot of bullshitters out. Um, like just sort of by basically like whatever you know he's seen and been corrected, he'll sort of recorrect them, saying, "Well, you know, that's not how it works." You know, in and things like that. Really. Um, uh, so he's a good one to sort of uh, um, to, to go and check out. Um, there's another one I'm actually sort of reading at the moment. Um, it's called the Nutrition Bible. Um, it's by Dal Pinnock, um, the medicinal uh, chef. Um, and the book's all about sort of like different aspects of like uh, diabetes. Um, uh, one I was just obviously just reading about as well before I jumped on uh, the Eucharist is uh, depression and things like that. How how different foods affect you, know, what sort of foods you're, you, you need to be eating and um, and things like that. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different sort of um, uh, books and sort of um, stuff to read about, but, you know, have a look at what their their background has been, you know, uh, don't sort of just sort of look at what they look like, you know, have a look what they're, where they're trained and how long they've been doing the, the, the um their qualifications for and where they've qualified from as well so yeah it's yeah it's important especially as we're all trying to make ourselves you know we're bred in this culture to make our try and make ourselves look as good as possible uh to other people um and what we really need is some authenticity and some people to be real and say do you know what i i don't have a clue what i'm doing this has worked for me and i'll share it yeah um as as opposed to trying to say that you you know you you've got 20 years experience in something and you know i think authenticity is is going to be the thing over the next five years that, that people yeah. really resonate with and, and get on board with um yeah. i was chatting, chatting to a mate of mine last night it was a military man he's looking he's just come out of the military he's looking for uh for work um and and he said to me he said oh like nowadays when you look for jobs apparently like the computer systems look for keywords and if you yeah. don't get keywords in your CV, then they chuck chuck it out, and they don't yeah. even get yeah. to the employer. Yeah. I said, "Well, have you thought about do, doing a video?" And he was like, "Oh, mate, look, you know, all I do is I'm a military guy." I said, "I'm not good at talking to talking to the camera, and you know, yeah. what have I? I'm not going to come across well." And I said, "Yeah, but at the moment, people what people gravitate towards authenticity, right? So if you jump yeah. on the camera and say to someone, like, look." I thought this would be a much better idea than to give you an idea of who I am than just writing it down. I'm not yeah. comfortable doing this. This is way out of my comfort zone, but here we go. And here's like, you know, I'm a family man, this, that, and the other, but like yeah. almost calling out the elephant in the room. Yeah, I said, yeah. you know, whoever's on the other end is going to go, God, yeah, that must've been tough. And yeah, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been comfortable doing that either, but obviously yeah. he's shown me that he's vulnerable yeah, and yeah. you're more likely to resonate with people, aren't you? Just show a bit of, yeah, normality, a bit of hum- yeah. humanness about you. Yeah, I think I think so. Like, a word. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're asking you're asking the wrong person if it, to come up with something <laughs> to that. Sir. Um, but yeah, I, I think like totally agree with that. It's, it's it's like you know people sending CVs and like you know I've worked at sort of say Hospital Road for ten years or you know I've worked at, for Market Clear White for fifteen years or whatever the case may be. And at some point, 
and then coming in, doing trial and then working, at some point a story would come up or someone would know that person and say, and it more like be the, the head chef's mate or a friend of his mate say, oh, have you got Chris working here? You know, so, oh, yeah, yeah, he used to work at Ramsey's. No, he didn't. Well, he said on his CV he's worked there for like 10 years. He's like, no, he come in for a trial, that was it. Yeah, and there's mm. there's a lot of bullshitters that sort of like put um put extend what their CV is say. So like you know, like you sort of your friend from the military, like if you can see a video of someone saying, right, you know, I've worked um at Marcos for two years, I, I, I went for a trial for Ramsey's, wasn't what I, I wanted, like I think yeah, you know, I'm not quite there yet. You know, people can see that from facial expressions and things like that and see like, well hang on, this guy's actually telling the truth. Do you know what I mean? You, you can you can sort of hide behind um, a CV, but you can't t- you can't sort of necessarily hide behind a, an actual video of you being honest and being like you know original. If that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's a question we get asked a lot when we train in colleges. It's like, you know, I want to work at a particular pl- place. How do I get there? And yeah. you know, we, it's through grit, it's through determination, but it's also about yeah. doing something different. And yeah. you know, not to get too off topic about video recording yourself and going for going for jobs, but ultimately, as it's been discussed on this podcast before, CVs are genuinely just a waste of paper sometimes because it's not about <laughs> it's not about where you come from. It's not about you know what accolades you've worked with or who yeah. you've worked with. It's about your ability to to learn your eagerness to develop yourself and to be a team player. And, you know, if you can portray that and you can come across as someone who's willing to get stuck in and, you know, develop skill sets that they're perhaps they're not so strong in and utilize skill sets that they do have. Yeah. Then where does it matter? You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Um, it's about the person and it's not about the piece of paper that they've written because yeah. anyone can write a, a cracking CV, as you said. Exactly, yeah. But I think as well as like with with individuals, like, you know, I've, I've been in a situation where chefs have come in and sort of like, you know, they've they've said they've one place and anyone that's actually quite quite clued up and, and sort of like see the bullshit, like, I can sort of normally say, well, hang on, you've said you're, you're good at this, but I can see you're not good at it. So you either come clean and I can help you with it, or you're just going to carry on sort of digging yourself a hole. And, you know, whether it be myself or, you know, one of the, the junior sort of seniors would be like, well, I'm just going to sort of let, watch you sort of dig yourself your own hole and sort of, not, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's better to come clean and be honest about it and say, look, chef, like I sort of bullshit a little bit. Um, and then you can sort of rebuild again. I say, okay, you know, if you're not good at pastry, just tell me you're not good at pastry. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the best pastry chef in the world, but where, what I've learned and where I've worked and, and, and how I've learned that pastry sort of um, detail, I can give that to you. You know, and then you, you might sort of like think, like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And you might sort of take it on and say, like, well, Ross has shown me how to do these pastry skills. Like, I really love the way he, he, he teaches or the way he's sort of making these things happen. I want to sort of move on to pastry now and sort of go somewhere else and learn pastry. So that's more sort of education. I'm, I'm in a section where originally he he bullshitted, do you know what I mean? Or she bullshitted. Yeah, but it also, you, you know, it's, it's worth bearing in mind that the company culture 
has to be uh, open enough for that person to feel comfortable. Like a lot, you also on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, there's a lot of businesses out there whereby if you're not selling yourself, then yeah. you might not have an opportunity. Or, yeah. And I think yeah. it's, you know, being able to have that workplace and go, do you know what? Actually, here I am, I'm vulnerable, whether it be my mental health, whether it be my physical yeah. health, whether it be my skill sets, yeah. um, I could do with some help because I'm eager to learn. And that goes yeah. back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, providing you are keen to learn and develop and to to push on and it's so it's only it's only a good thing, um, yeah, irrespective yeah. Of, of your background or, or what you know what you are or who you are as a person. Yeah. Um so Ross to to draw this to sort of a quite a, a neat neat close, um, was there anything in particular that you wanted to sort of add before I ask you the the, the end of show question? Um <laughs> I, th- I think sort of like, like for me, sort of listening to what your your podcast and the sort of the guys um, that, that you've had on, it's like it's very sort of close to sort of what I've been through, and I've seen you know, at some point what they've been through. Is literally like don't don't be don't be too scared to open up. Um, you know, there's always going to be someone there that's going to say, "Well, hang on, you know, he's in a bit of a bad place. What what can we do to help him or her?" Um, you know, don't be don't be ashamed to ask for help. You know, because the, the worst thing you can do if you don't ask for help and you you you, you know you go further on down the line in, in more of a more of a darker hole darker hole it's a lot harder to get back out of that hole unless, unless you sort of ask for help sooner rather than later you know I'd, I'd rather have a conversation with you the day after with a cup of tea rather than going to some going to your funeral do you know what I mean you know if I if 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 if, if we can sort of change the, the mentality of people looking at like you know don't sort of give them a hard time because they can't do it you know again people learn different ways you know if you can sort of save someone from going down that really dark path which you know I, I think a lot of chefs have at some point in their career um I think that'd be the better better option and I think the industry would be a lot better off than sort of burning um excuse, excuse the punt um uh, burning the chefs that are sort of walking out the industry and going to industries that they're just sort of like, okay, it's a job, money. Because um, I think we have, we have lost a, a hell of a lot of talented uh, guys and girls in the industry down to not being looked after. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I dread, I dread to think um, how many. And ultimately, like working in this trade, it's a passion. I was chatting to a, a chef the other day who was applying for jobs at Amazon and 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 whatnot and I was sort of whilst I was chatting to him I said to him like why why are you looking at this he's like oh you know hospitality it's yeah I've been a chef for a long time it's not good for my health and all this other stuff and then as he was talking he opened up his phone and I happened to catch a picture of him in his old brigade and I said oh is that is that your old team it's like oh yeah you know great bunch of guys you know we had the best time working there and I'm like but if you if you if you like, you're not talking about Amazon or, or Tesco's the way you're talking about working in a kitchen environment and with your with your brigade or in you know with a creative flair. So you know that says to me that perhaps it's not necessarily the trade that you don't want anymore. It's that that particular workplace or that particular environment. Yeah. So yeah. you know why not look at you know I mean like things like nursing homes get tend to you know chefs scoff when you say like do you want to work at a nursing home like no why why would I want to work there but again though that's a completely you know it's it's a completely different um environment whereby you 
one, get a work-life balance, and two, you're not necessarily focusing on the plating of stuff, but you're you're looking at the nutritional value. So like people, for example, who've got um, uh, dementia, um, aren't able to swallow. Um, And so as a result of that, you have to then be quite creative with what you're producing that's not bland and just brown stuff on a plate. But actually, you know, you can use... You can use some of the Sosa or the modern gastronomy ingredients to be able yeah. to use um, uh, different techniques to produce yeah. vibrant colors, you know, loads of yeah. flavors, and it's also palatable for those individuals. So there's, you know, there's the industry is so wide and vast that there's so many opportunities out there for anyone that yeah. perhaps has got to that point in career where they think, I don't want to work in this environment anymore, but yeah. I still want to be a yeah. chef. Yeah. There's so um, many opportunities. I, I, I think, I think so. Like you, going on sort of with the nursing home sort of thing. Like I remember having a conversation only only last year with a guy. Um, he works in uh, I think like a, a group of them, and basically he was sort of dealing with um uh, a, a client of his where I think I think she had cancer or something like that, and basically she couldn't taste anything. Um, so the flavors that he had to sort of come out of had to be so punchy that she can she sort of understand what sort of flavor she's eating um, and you know to, to get like and that, that's 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 pretty much what uh, the fundamental of being a chef is like if you can get the best flavor out of that ingredient whether it's a carrot a potato or anything simple if you can get the best flavor that you can possibly get out of that that that's your job's done like you don't need to start messing about with anything um, and I think that's I think that's what what the issue I think like as you're saying like a lot of chefs are just like oh the industry it's it, it shit it's it's not what it used to be and you know I, I can't be bothered anymore i don't think it's that i think they just lose the, the the burning sensation inside them to think right oh my god i've just made this beautiful soup for this patient or a client that she can't really taste anything and you can just see on her face or all his face where i've enjoyed that do you know what i mean like that that's that's what it's all about cooking it's it's making making memories and making people's faces just light up and think oh my god what have i just eaten that was fucking amazing do you know what i mean that, that's mm. what it's about that is all that's all what is what it's about is making memories and good memories yeah yeah that's, you're very right very right so ross if you were to give some advice to your 18 year old version of yourself what would what would you say oh that's uh quite quite a hard one um i think sort of like learn learn your craft don't sort of jump uh jump on the ladder um, and move up as quick as possible um because you'll always get to a point where someone will find you out um you know learn your craft work in the places where you want to work you know don't just sort of follow oh this restaurant's amazing find a chef that's going to nurture you and look after you um and for, for me personally, from my opinion, like what, what I have, I have done and had chefs look after me. I think that's the main, main aspect because then you start learning how to look after your brigade when you get to that point. Nicely summarised. I like that a lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, some great advice. Well, Ross, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us and, and to that's speak openly right. about your own experiences. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it just helps go further the ongoing conversation that we've that we that we started and developed and yeah yeah there's loads of useful points on that that i think people will be able to benefit from 
yeah, no, thanks again, Chris, for obviously um, having me on here, and you know, thanks for accepting, obviously, when, when, when I spoke to you um, on social. So, yeah, it's, it's been really good speaking to you. No, that's brilliant. And uh, Chris, like you're doing an amazing job as well, getting all these uh, these big these big guys on as well, and sort of getting them to share their experiences, like because it's only going to go uh, in a good positive way. And if we can get the industry back on on track, obviously with all this going on, I think you know, like like sort of uh, Sat said in his interview, like the world's the oyster for this industry. Like you know, the stars you can keep going. So. Thank you, mate. Cheers for that. Have a good day, mate. Cheers. You? Thanks, Chris. Speak to you later. Speak to you soon. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. 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 I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal. We'll be back again next week with another episode. But in the meantime, if you wanted to learn more about the Burnt Chef Project, please head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com, where we have a range of merchandise which is designed to create awareness. We offer training modules. We also provide support services and also you'll find access to our online app, which is free to use internationally. Do feel free to give us a follow and a like on social media and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.